0: I want you to take your Bible, if you would, and and because of the time, I'm just going to read the whole passage right through. I'm not going to ask you to stand. We're not going to read responsively. I'm just going to start reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and beginning in verse 16, and I'm going to read down to verse 33, and uh, I hope that you'll Uh, Give me your attention for the next few minutes. I'll read these verses, we'll pray together, and I'll speak to you for a short time, and then we'll head home. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 16, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says in verse 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A day and a night I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is offended and I burn not, If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascus with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket, I was let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Father, I pray for your help, that you would guide my thoughts guide my words and my voice, that you would use me tonight. Lord, I pray that you would gather all the attention of all the people, that we would be listening for your Holy Spirit's voice. Please speak to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. We now as a church support about 380 missionaries, ministries, and national pastors. Our goal is to have over 400 by the end of this calendar year. I believe that we'll reach that goal. Many of these missionaries are our heroes. We honor them, we brag on them, we pray for them, we know them. They're our people. Many of them have been called to be missionaries from this church. Many more have come and trained here by the preaching through Hiles Anderson College, Candidate School, and Missions University. And they go into battle knowing that we're on their side. But it is a battle. They go to a place often where They have to adjust to a new culture, a place where the people that they're trying to reach have a very different idea of marriage, child rearing, work ethic, honesty, what it means to be a friend. They're going to a place where people are not just different because they use a different power electricity or because they drive on the other side of the road, but they're people that think differently. They go to places where oftentimes they're excited to arrive because they're going to make an impact for Christ and find out very quickly that the people that they've come to reach don't really want them there. Oftentimes they have to learn a new language. They sit in kindergarten learning a new alphabet, learning to speak like a a five-year-old until they can grow in that language and begin to communicate and eventually win someone to Christ and hopefully one day Preach fluently in that language. Meanwhile, they're missing their families. We're coming up on the holidays, and some of the hardest times for a missionary are Thanksgiving and Christmas times, where families back home getting together and they're on the other side of the world alone. They're dealing with visa and immigration. Some of you have heard me say before I've had three times in my life where I woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat having a nightmare that one of my children's visas had expired. I don't meet many Americans have had that problem, but that's the life of a missionary. Having to deal with constantly getting permission from the government of that country to be able to stay and to minister there in that country. They're missing the familiarities of home, the foods that they miss, the places that they used to go, the friends that they used to see. And although they rejoice when we have a big day and we have different activities, oftentimes they'll hear about something like our global explosion and they think to themselves, well, we had three go out or four, and last month we had somebody get saved. Now, that's not everywhere, but some places are like that. They see what we do here and uh, they think to themselves, "My, my kids don't have an orchestra where they can play an instrument. They can't play Little League or volleyball. They don't have a sports program. They don't have a group of friends that look like them and talk like them and think like them. And they miss that. They're dealing with poor infrastructure. I was standing in my front yard one day in Thailand, and a man came walking up the street. He was dressed in a dirty T-shirt, shorts and flip-flops, and a hat on. And he came up and he said, I'm from the local water department, and I'm just here to tell you that for three days you'll have no water. Goodbye. And we had to figure it out. When we came back from Thailand, Pastor, you had me on the platform, and I was sitting over here in one of the very first services that I was here, and I'd been sitting there. It was about halfway through the sermon, and the whole time I was sitting there, I had this this tickle in the back of my mind that something wasn't right, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and finally I figured it out. The lights hadn't gone out the whole time. Many missionaries deal with that. In fact, I was talking to Brother Mark Holmes one day, and he said, Brother Bushy, he said, I get up every night two or three times, and we have a generator, a diesel generator, and uh, the power comes on about four hours at a time, and then we have about 20 truck batteries down the the hallway of our living room, and uh, I have to constantly get up in the middle of the night and switch the power from the the, uh, city power to the generator to the truck batteries. And he said, I'll come back to America, and two or three days after I'm home, I'm still Getting up, I find myself walking the hallways in the middle of the night trying to figure out how to turn the electricity from one source to another. That's just life in Nigeria. Our missionaries are a minority wherever they go. Sometimes they're a minority because they have a very different skin color, a very different language. Sometimes it's because they're the only Christian in the area. And they struggle with that. They have no one to rejoice in their victories. I'm so glad that we could show pictures of people that got saved in the Bibles that were handed out and and the young people out soul winning. But uh, I often have missionaries say, Brother Bushy, we had some folks saved and and, uh, I wrote it in a prayer letter and we sent out 50 or 60 or 100 or 200 prayer letters and didn't get a single response. We don't even know if people are reading our letters. I was reading through this passage here where the Apostle Paul is writing, and he makes an unusual statement. In fact, he says it three different times. In verse 16, he basically is saying, I'm not a fool, but even if, I, if you think I'm a fool, then please listen to the fool. Then he says, in parentheses, in verse 21, I speak foolishly. And in verse 22, again, in parentheses, I speak as a fool. Paul says, I had it all going for me. From a worldly point of view, I had the background, I had the heritage, I had the training, I had everything going for me. I could have been a success in this world, and I walked away from that all to go and to serve the Lord. I said, I'm not sorry that I did that, but but let me just talk to you foolishly for a little bit. And he begins to talk about what it's like to serve the Lord and the things that he's gone through. And he, he's not complaining, but he says three times, I just want to speak to you foolishly a little bit, and let me share my heart. And I was reading that, and I thought, I just I just want to take a few minutes tonight, and I want to share with you the heart of those 380 families that we support around the world. And if you'll let me, I'll just speak foolishly a little bit. I was sitting in that room last week, looking at those men that lead our mission teams Looking at a man like Dave Salt that went to England and carved a ministry out of nowhere in one of the most difficult countries on the planet in Old England, where our Christian heritage came from, and it's now a, a mass of atheism in Islam. And I thought, I wonder what he would have done if he'd have been a, a salesman for one of the Fortune 500 companies. I wonder what Ted Spear would have done if he'd decided to go into the business world. I Wonder what kind of a company he'd be running. I wonder if a genius like Mark Holmes had decided to live his life to make money. I wonder how wealthy he would be right now. I look at a guy like Randy DeMoville, and Randy DeMoville, for fun, writes code on his computer. And he's created an app where anybody in his church can download this app, and it's, the, the app is owned by his church, and they can, they can connect to an internet radio station, or they can download good music, or they can listen to the sermons from the last week. And, and I thought, I can turn my phone on. This guy's writing apps and code and all kinds of things and, and he was sitting, we were sitting there in the meetings and he was telling all the guys, hey, just give me five minutes, I'll teach you how to set up your own internet radio station for your ministry in whatever country you are. And I thought, I wonder if a guy like that went out into the business world, I wonder how he'd do in Silicon Valley. And I, I, I know that these men are 100% bought into what they're doing for the Lord. And I know that they're excited about serving God, but you've got to know that sometimes the devil comes and whispers in their ear and says, you know, you're really missing out here. You are trying to raise money again for another van for your ministry. And you could be driving a Lamborghini back in the States. Here you are, you're sitting at home with your, with your family and the power's gone out and you've got to go down to the market and pick through and try to find some meat that doesn't have maggots crawling out of it and you could be eating at uh, Fogarty Chow uh, back here in Chicago. You, you know those thoughts go through their minds. And, and forgive me, but I'm speaking foolishly. You know those thoughts have to go through their minds sometime. They have to say, did I make the right choice? The Apostle Paul said I'm going to I'm just going to lay it out there this is this is what it's like sometimes they're working full time for the Lord and there's burdens that come with that. Paul said in this passage, he said, it's not just about the physical labor, it's that that spiritual weight that is on me with the care of all the churches. And I think of Brother Ted Spear, who's been influential in either starting or refreshing 72 Baptist churches around Western Africa and carrying the care of all of those churches on his shoulders. And it's it's I, I want to say thank you to you men that go out and hang drywall and run electric lines and, and flip houses and whatever you do to raise money, but you can't understand the spiritual weight that these men carry. And I wonder if sometimes they don't wish, well, I wish I could just go somewhere and, and just punch in and swing a hammer for eight hours and punch out and be done, but I'm never done. And they carry that weight all the time. We have one of our best missionaries recently that had a national pastor turn on him and somebody invested years of his life into and the man uh, stabbed him in the back tried to destroy his ministry and I thought we just don't see that we don't you can't put that in a prayer letter just doesn't read well it just doesn't go well when you try to put that in a prayer letter but if I can speak foolishly it's happening all the time and they're carrying those burdens I thank God for their faithfulness There are some missionaries that are lonely. There are some that are tired. There are some that are discouraged. I see some of the best missionaries that are alive in the world today, and sometimes their children make bad decisions. How difficult that must be to carry. Sometimes their converts just walk away from the Lord. Sometimes other missionaries attack them. There's a lot that they can't tell you about. Would you look back with me, starting in verse twenty-three? I just want to read what Paul says here and just kind of talk through some of the things he said that he went through. Starting in verse twenty-three, the apostle Paul says, uh, "Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. You want to talk about how hard I'm working? Paul says I'm working hard in stripes above measure. I've I've been through some tough times." In prisons more frequent, I don't know, too many of our missionaries have been arrested, but some have. Some have gone to prison, some have stood in the police station. Uh, Brother Kumpai said three times the police have come and raided his house, and one time the police chief, the last time the police chief pulled his gun out of his holster and held it and said, if I have to come back here, you're going to prison for a long time. We saw his face tonight, faithfully serving the Lord. But he's been through it. Paul said, uh, in in deaths oft. Man, I've been been on the edge of it before. I've I've been, I thought I was going to die. Scary times. Of the Jews, my own people, five times, received I 40 stripes, save one. Can you imagine being whipped 39 times? Five different situations where that happened. And he kept going. Thrice I was beaten with rods. That's hard to even imagine. Once I was stoned, we know that happened, outside Lystra, to the point where they thought he was dead. Thrice I've suffered shipwreck, I can't imagine that either. Being on a ship as it goes down and ending up in the water. And a a night and a day I've been in the deep. Paul said, in journeyings often, that one I can understand. And perils of water, that one I can understand too. I'm amazed, isn't it? Just think about this. Having a flood come that covers everything you own and you can't get back in your house for 57 days, and the shooks are still there serving, and Miss Sherry's still there serving, and the Inmans are still there serving. Now thank God for people like that. And perils of robbers, I can understand that one too. In perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. Everywhere I go, there's danger, and I just keep going. In perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. He said, I've been weak, been in pain, been on guard, been hungry and thirsty, oftentimes fasting, been cold, not enough clothing. Paul said, I want to speak foolishly. Doesn't do any good not trying to get glory, just want you to know what it's like. And we have some very good people that are out there, and we put them up on the screens, and we we pray for them, we brag, we brag, brag about them, but we really don't understand a lot of times the battle that they go through on a daily basis, whether it's a physical battle, an emotional battle, uh, we, we have a couple come through, we bring them in here for, co- for a missions conference, and, and uh, we, we, we see their picture, and we meet them, and we, we, we pick up their kids, and we shake their hand, and uh, we have our walk-up offering, and we walk up, and we hand them uh, thousands of dollars, and boy, praise God, thank you, and they go off to the field, and, and uh, what one young lady said, I, we went to the field, and it was like, it, we dropped off the end of the earth. Just silence. We send out a prayer letter, and I don't know if anybody got it. Send an email and nobody answers. Now, I know that doesn't happen all the time, and, and uh, I thank God it doesn't happen to every family, but sometimes it does. And they're hurting people. They're just human beings. Boy, one thing I've learned traveling around and seeing missionaries is they're all just people. In fact, maybe that's the most encouraging thing because I bring a group of young people to see a missionary, and they get back on the plane to go home and say, Brother Bushy, they're just normal. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're just people. They're just people. And sometimes they're struggling. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. First of all, let me encourage you to pray for them. Pray for them like it was your child in combat in the military. I was sitting in that room, and as we were beginning the very first session, I said, fellows, we're going we're gonna to start out with prayer, and we're going to have some of you men pray. And, and, uh, and I said, uh, I've been praying fervently for this meeting because I think... If I were the devil and I could throw a hand grenade in one room in the whole world, I'd throw it in the middle of this room right here. And I've been fervently praying for your protection, that God will watch over us. Here we are in a Muslim country, and I want to make sure that God takes care of us and that we're safe. And so we prayed that. We prayed for their safety. You know, some of our missionaries live in that kind of environment all day, every day, they're in combat. Every single man out there has a target on his back and the devil's trying to make him fall. Every single woman out there has a target on her back and the devil's trying to discourage her and disappoint her and upset her. So she says to her husband, I'm done and I'm going home. And they need our prayers. I think of Becky Martin back in the Philippines living on a juice diet, fighting cancer. Martha Kenyonga up in Madison, Wisconsin taking her seventh round of chemo. Jolie Sock, who had a stroke, just got out of the hospital a couple of days ago and needs to go through rehab. Denise Long, who just had surgery on her lower back because of back pain. Juan Hernandez, who has epilepsy down in Guatemala and often is disabled for days at a time. Gabby Piverell, who lost her baby and still serving faithfully. Brother Ben Turner, pastor mentioned him earlier going through at least two major difficulties at the same time and just had biopsy on his lungs and is waiting for the results to see if it's cancer. Brother Keith Baker, that had to leave a ministry that they would built over years there in Haiti and had to go to the Bahamas instead and, and two months ago fractured his right ankle and is trying to recover from that. These folks need our prayers. They're going through difficulties and they need us to pray. Secondly, I want to encourage you to communicate with them. We live in a day and age where you can, you can communicate with just about anybody. In fact, uh, Carissa just let me know this week. We finished a spreadsheet that we've been building for months now uh, with the best way to contact every single one of our missionaries, whether it's WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, a phone call, an email. We, we've got the best way to reach them. You call our office and say, I want to talk to this missionary, and we'll give you the best way to do it in seconds. Because we want you to be able to communicate with our missionaries. And I want to encourage you, I love what Pastor said, he didn't ask you to pray for all 10 of the families that went across the screen tonight, he said pick one, just pick one and make that your family, and I'll say, you know what, I can't, I can't maybe communicate with all 380, but I can choose one and say, they're going to know that they're loved. They're going to know that somebody here in First Baptist Church cares about them and is praying for them and wants to know how things are going over there. And, and I'm going to read their prayer letters, and I'm going to let them know I read their prayer letters. Hey, say, hey, you mentioned this person, and we're praying for that person. And, and thank God for those folks that got saved. And praise the Lord, you got that building got built. And, and, and I want to know what's going on with that one family. And I think if all of us did that, we'd probably cover all 380 families easily. We ought to communicate with them. Pray for them. Communicate them. And, and then this is, this is the last one, and this is the big one. Visit them. Get a passport. Amen. I am, I am so, to be honest, the entire theme of our mastermind this year was how to create mission trips to make it easier for people to go to the field. I've had more than one person in this room say, Brother Bushy, why would I spend the money on a mission trip when I can just send the money to the missionary? I'll tell you why. Because they would rather have you come than get the money. There's there's no way to tell you how encouraging it is to a missionary family to have somebody from America take the time and the money and the effort to go and visit them on the field. And when you do, you're friends for life. My wife and I walk down the halls at the college, and we've got, listen to this, 35 MKs at Hiles Anderson College this semester. Twelve of them are brand new. And most of them, I've been in their house. And when they see us in the hallways, we're old friends. I mean, look at James Spear over here. He doesn't have any friends except me, amen? (laughs) But I've been in their living room. We've played mafia together. I mean, there's something about that that builds a relationship that when you're one of the few that come. My wife and I could name every pastor that visited us in New Zealand. All of them are very dear to us because they made that sacrifice to go and visit. And I've been working on it. We're going to start announcing very soon the mission trips that we're going to have next year. But Lord willing, we're going to take a group down to Peru and visit Zach and and, uh, Karen Faust and Zach Jr. and Cassie and get on a boat and go out in the Amazon and see the ministry that they have there, both in San Gabriel and outside of Iquitos. And man, it's going to be an amazing trip. Way, way better than Disney World. We're going to take a trip to Thailand. We're going to take one to the Philippines. I've been in communication with Brother Lopez down in Bolivia, and Lord willing, we can take a group down there. I'm doing a survey trip down to Guyana. We're going to take a group down to see the Shrivnoths and the Owens down in Guyana. English-speaking country. Anybody can go soul winning there. And what a difference it will make for a missionary when you show up on their doorstep and said, hey, I wanted to come and see all that's going on. Boy, can you imagine the thrill of them taking you around? Brother Bachman did that this week, just taking us around, saying, look, let me tell you what God did here. Let me tell you what God's doing here. Let me tell you how God's working here. Let me tell you about this blessing here. I imagine it's going to happen again. I mean, Daniel Lang, every time we get a video, he says, I'm living the dream, amen? I'm living the dream. I can't wait to go see the dream. Why don't you come along? Will you pray for our missionaries? I mean, really, seriously. Get hold of some prayer letters. We're putting them on the screens out here so you can find prayer requests and pray for them. Go to fbmi.org and you can look up any of the prayer letters from our 111 FBMI missionary families and you can pray for them. Will you communicate with them? I invite you to call the office and get a phone number or email address or WhatsApp number or Facebook messenger contact and reach out to them and say, hey, we decided you're our family and we're going to love you no matter what. And then would you pray? Lord, would you have us to go? How many of you have been on a mission trip? Would you raise your hand? You say, I've left and gone overseas. Well, Praise God. That's about a quarter as many as I'd like to go. But thank God for doing that. Amen. It's a life changer, isn't it? Brother Kevin Eason came by this morning and uh, stopped in my Sunday school class just for a minute. And was talking about, uh, I, I guess probably four or five years ago now that we went to Thailand and Burma together. And that's something that changed Brother Kevin's life. I think God would like to do the same for you. I speak foolishly. Our missionaries are great people. But at the same time, as the Apostle Paul said, they're going through some tough times too. And they need somebody on this end of the lifeline that says, I'm going to love them and care about them. And I don't think it ought to be just our WMS. I mean, I thank God for those ladies, but guys, we should do it too. Young people, you can get involved. Get a prayer card. Fall in love with a family and make them your own. Start caring about them. It'll change their lives. And most of all, it'll change yours. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, the piano is going to play. If God's spoken to your heart tonight, I want to invite you to come down to an altar and make some decisions that'll change your life and the lives of others. Let's make a difference in these normal people, flesh and blood, just like you and I, that surrender to a call, went to another place, started serving God there, and they need you to love them, communicate with them, care about them, and maybe visit them. Father, thank you for allowing us to see the humanity of the Apostle Paul in this passage, to remind us that all of our missionaries are human and they all need our help. I pray that you'd help us as a church to get behind them and to to love them, to care about them, to communicate with them, and if possible... visit them. Please bless the invitation. In Jesus' name.